0: No, 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 no. I killed you. I paid the money. She, she assassinated oh. me. I just <laughs> killed her.
1: Welcome to Which Game First, where we boldly explore the hilariously huge world of board games. Did we unearth any hidden treasures you've been missing out on? Let's find out. First up this week, we take control of governing families to dominate the political landscape in Corio. Next, our galactic crew is our family as we scramble to survive, <laughs> and oh yeah, kill the other guys, in Space Cadets Dice Duel. And lastly, we scheme to put our family in charge of our Italian city-state, in Coup. I'm your host, Celeste Angelus. now let's meet the rest of our brave and intrepid game explorers.
2: Hello, I'm Evan Bernstein, and this is Witch Game First 101.
0: Hi, I'm Ed Poglidis, and as detailed in this 10-page syllabus, we will
1: cover... Hi, I'm Mike Grenier, and I like to keep the lessons short and sweet. (laughs) (laughs) We have a guest panelist today, designer of Aunt Agatha's Attic and co-designer of Kids on Bikes, Teens in Space, and the upcoming Kids on Brooms, (laughs) Doug Lewandowski.
3: Hey, thanks so much for having me on. I'm excited to be here.
1: Kids on Bikes. I am an avid fan of Roll20, and I saw this on Roll20. Are you playing it at all there?
3: I actually played uh, it for the kids on brooms on Roll20, using Roll20 for the first time ever yesterday. And it was a really good experience. So this weekend, Renegade is hosting an online convention. And um, I stepped into GM, one of the kids on brooms games, uh, and just had a blast with it. Roll20 is a, a great system. Big, big fan.
4: Yeah, we've been using some Roll20 ourselves.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like all the time. So with kids on bikes, that came out of me watching Not Surprisingly Stranger <laughs> yeah. Things when that was first mm-hmm. on.
0: Oh, that's what you meant by kids on bikes.
3: Oh. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> no. I know. It's it's like, it's a shock. Um, more twists and turns than the show. <laughs> I posted a thing on Facebook. This is back when I was pretty much exclusively designing uh, board games and card games mm. and said, Hey, so who wants to make this board game with me? And John Gilmore said, I'm actually working on one. And I was like, now's the chance to <laughs> get in there. And I was like, mm. Hey, how about if we work on that together? Yeah,
4: kick that door he down.
3: Like, right. He was like, well, I've actually already got a co-designer on it. It was his idea. Um, mm. And he said, he just wants to keep it to two people. And I was like, sad peanuts walk. Oh. Okay. <laughs> he was oh. like, but I think a role-playing game for it would be great. And I was like,
1: Heck yeah. So
3: so we started working on that. And as we were working on it, we decided, look, like we could limit it to you're playing in the 80s. You're playing in a small sort of like Midwestern town. Or we could open it up to be anything. Like I grew up watching E.T. and stuff like that. (laughs) John grew up loving, loving Goonies. Mm -hmm.
4: Anytime they're on a bike, you're in. Right.
0: (laughs)
1: Right. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So my daughter, who's 10, loves Stranger Things, and she now bikes way more than she ever did before. There you go. And she's nice. like, how come they got to bike anywhere they wanted to at my age?
4: <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, different times,
1: kids. Sorry to say.
3: Right. Oh, yeah. And you're like, and here's the deal about nostalgia – it's fictionalized. That's sure. not really what happened. There also weren't demagogues. Yes.
4: <laughs> well, there were, but... In my mind, there were, for sure.
2: Page 34 of the Monster Manual says right there. I know.
1: And how did Kids on Brooms go on Roll20? What was the like most uh, unexpected thing that the players did?
3: Oh, that's a great question. Um, So the most unexpected thing was, in the character creation, one of the one of the players decided that she was uh, the year before in school had busted one of the other characters for cheating. <laughs> and so it created this like great tension in there about like the two of them sort of being at each other, mm-hmm. but also needing to work together. Yeah. Um, and it was one of the groups that I've had come together, like the quickest uh, of people who didn't, really know each other all that well
4: did it answer the question of whether snitches do or do not get stitches
3: <laughs> she in the end got no
4: stitches oh, Wow!
1: it's amazing how much the players bring to the D game
4: mm-hmm.
1: yeah i honestly can't wait to play
4: i know i'm really excited actually. <laughs> <laughs> i've been looking forward to it
3: well i can get you guys that as well if you hey,
4: like. whatever you give us we'll play
3: great i have like 50 games i'm trying to get rid of in my basement they are all yours <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, guys, uh, what are you up to this coming Thursday night at 6.30 Eastern Time?
4: That's strangely specific, Celeste. Um, well, I'm going to be taking part in the Which Game First live stream on Twitch, 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 Twitch. That's right, Mike. Ever since
2: COVID craziness has kept us apart, we are playing our Thursday night games online. And you, the audience members, are invited to come watch us play our first game of the evening. And Evan,
0: don't forget, not only do we play the game, We interact with the audience, and we answer your questions, read your comments, and sometimes take your advice. Celeste does.
1: I am not proud. (laughs) Put how I can win this game in the feed, please. (laughs) That's Which Game First, playing live Thursday night, 6.30 Eastern Time on... Twitch, Twitch, Twitch! 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 Twitch!
3: Twitch!
4: Twitch! (laughs)
2: <laughs> See you there.
4: We can't help but say Twitch like that anymore. Is that the only way we're allowed to say Twitch? <laughs> I <love> that. <laughs>
3: That's the only way I'm going to hear it now.
1: <laughs> Our first game up this week is Choreo, designed by Gary Kim, published by Moonster Games in 2013, number of players 2 to 4, ages 13 and up, playtime 10 to 20 minutes. Okay, Mike, tell us, What's
4: in the box? Well, the box cover reminds me of a scene from Yu-Gi-Oh! There's a guy with wind-blown hair and glowing eyes, staring down at an array of cards, smugly pondering an obviously earth-shattering decision. Inside the box, you'll find 45 character cards, 10 event cards, 8 season cards, 8 victory point tokens, and a first player token, and of course, a rulebook. And that's... What's in the
1: box? But before we tell you if it's worth cinching up your corset and donning your metallic goggles to play, Evan, hit us with some game rules.
2: In Choreo, players vie for influence in a Ukrainian and Politico steampunk universe. (laughs) Each turn, players simultaneously choose a family of politicians from their hand and play as many cards of this family as they have and wish to. Each family has a value ranging from 1 to 9, which indicates both the number of cards in the family and the number of victory points the player controlling this family will score at the end of the game. A game lasts exactly 8 turns, and on each turn a family grants its specific power to the player controlling it. Thus, efficient handling of these powers is the key to success. While their influence increases turn by turn due to the number of authorized cards in their council... The number of cards drawn each turn dwindles, making choices all the more difficult. Mm-hmm. Now at the end of the game, the player having gained the greatest influence is the winner of the
0: game. Dun, dun, dun.
1: Winner! Dun. I think we set a record this week, guys, for the three shortest games ever reviewed in a single episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe for us. Yeah, all three games be. were like 30 minutes or under, which is way short for us
0: unusual unusual
1: what did you guys think of the play time was it the right amount of time it was comfortable
0: it was good it, it, it's, it's <laughs> kind of like that spot where it's like it's just starting to get interesting but then it gets uh, it ends. yeah
4: yeah like any almost euro game where it's like
0: my engine is ready <laughs> and complete to destroy yeah. and
4: then
2: it's over <laughs> or in my case it was oh i'm finally starting to get the rules oh
0: it's over yeah, well, that happens a lot in a first-time playthrough, so it's like, it's oh, true. now I get it. I wish I knew this when I had the first <laughs> turn. Yes, so I would like to say that
2: this game was intuitive right out of the box, but unfortunately, it did take me a couple of rounds to sa- to really get the gist of exactly what was going
1: on. Yeah, I was it. like, oh, I'm losing, I'm losing, I'm losing. Oh, I won!
3: So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so- I found it super unintuitive, actually. Mm-hmm. Like. For as simple as it seems to be, the thing that confused me most, and actually like in our first game, um, I played with two friends online, which was good because it automated mm-hmm. stuff. That helps. Stuff yep. triggered, and we were like, what? I'm sorry, what? <laughs> one of the most confusing things was someone had the majority of whatever it is that blocks spies. The guardian. The thing. There's the thing that lets you swap one card from one player with one card from another player. It's the spies that block the mm-hmm. diplomat. And what he wanted to do was steal a card from someone else and give it to him and give him one of his junk cards, but he couldn't because he had the majority. So like that automatic block was really confusing. The taking of coins was really confusing, like because I got majority in the turn, got a coin, and then somebody else had a bigger majority on the same round or same turn.
1: Because play order matters. Yeah.
4: Yeah. It triggers on your turn. So different
0: people can collect the same thing in the same round.
3: I think if we had been playing without all that stuff being automated, we would have been totally lost.
0: That's one of the advantages of board game arena in a sense. Yeah. It has a bit of rules enforcing. So when you don't know the rule, it's helping you along saying, no, you can't do that. That's not the rule. Or uh, this is what happened. And you kind of grasp your head and go,
4: oh, so
0: it can help you learn
4: sometimes. And it doesn't let you cheat like Tabletopia.
0: Wait, what? <laughs> Sometimes it lifts your heat when it's not coated properly, though. <laughs>
1: yeah.
4: Oh, yeah. We'll talk about that later. We'll <laughs> yeah,
0: that.
1: So pre-quarantine, Ed was our rules locking guy. So we would have to drudge through the rules, listen to Ed, blather through them, and then
0: <laughs> <laughs> while he's
1: trying to play the game, impatiently count on him to tell us how to play the game.
4: Oh yeah, he does us the favor of interpreting the rules, and we mock him for it the entire time.
1: uh yeah it wasn't very intuitive and the order of turn play mattered and i like that i actually like that in a game you can one up somebody in the same turn
3: yeah i think it adds a nice strategy to it it just also adds that layer of complexity Mm
0: -hmm. right it's a lot more complex than it looks it's an interesting uh dynamic with the the turn structure because you actually do a lot of the things simultaneously where everybody choosing what card they're going to play and placing face down and that can be done simultaneously but then you re- resolve that in turn order and the turn order can mess up what you had planned uh, oh yeah
4: <laughs> it's it's a terrible tragedy when you set something up not as bad as robo rally i guess but <laughs> when you set something up because you think something is going to be a certain way and it does not end up that way
3: Oh, and that simultaneous thing was something else that bothered us a little bit like we we weren't sure why I had to wait for my friend John to take his turn and then my friend Dave to choose his cards before I could choose mine like why couldn't we just and I guess there's some layer of like, oh, he only picked one card interesting or like oh wow, he's picking three huh yeah that's
4: the that that's kind of it it helps you with the strategy you know you're saying, oh if he's playing two cards, he's definitely not playing this card because there's only two of them in the deck. You know what I mean, and and
0: so right, yeah. I, I kind of wondered about that because when I read when I read the rule book, it seemed to imply that the, the game intended to to do that simultaneously. So I wondered, if Board Game Arena is doing uh, that a little bit just because it worked better programmatically for it.
4: Hmm.
1: Yeah, it's be. possible, or it's possible that they just misinterpreted the rules, which does happen for them.
4: Mm-hmm. Was this one in the beta section? of a board game arena or was it in the I think it was in the quick play section but they have a beta section in there where people do play the games in beta and there are a lot of rules things like that that you can write in and tell them how to fix the program
1: I loved the art in this game I really like the backgrounds in addition to the figures either the spy or the omniscient the priest each card represents a different person in the family You know, sometimes these games, they only have the character. They don't have a nice background. It reminded me of the way a French deck, a normal deck of playing cards is, Mm -hmm. in that it has a stylized background. As for that, what did you guys think of the theme? Did it really inform play, or was it just sort of superfluous? I mean, it was nice to have the
0: theme, but I don't think it necessarily drove the the play.
3: I thought it was similar to Coup in that way, Mm -hmm. that it, who could be set in the version we played on arena was medieval Mm -hmm. um which i didn't even know existed (laughs) yeah me neither and then there's the like (laughs) the future steampunk thing with the glorious art yeah so i just thought it could be anything i I agree that it needs something like yes you're trying to gain influence but it doesn't matter that it's like steampunk anime
1: yeah it felt right. like a skin more than a, a sure it could have been theme.
3: future yeah. tech it could have been yeah. you know That's a perfect, perfect way to put it yeah. yes
4: yeah i mean i don't think the theme informed play but i did think it
0: added to the game's enjoyment though
1: in this case yeah definitely mm-hmm. well i think the
0: theme does help or at least the name to the characters do help with their powers or the banker get coins fair
1: you know. enough yeah yeah sure sure the cards went from negative one
4: a nine. couple negative ones in there. That's right. Well, those are events. So yeah, they're different, but yeah,
2: barbarians <laughs> and lobbying. Negative one. Uh, I think I got the most of those actually. <laughs>
4: hey, you use them to your advantage, though. You definitely uh, dipped into my winning pool pretty hard when you stole one of my guards away with that thing.
2: Yeah, yeah, and there's definitely a uh, you know a little backstabbiness going on here, and certainly uh, you know yeah, a touch. Some, yeah. if you wanted to target a person to not win, you could you could definitely play your hand.
1: Now, did mm-hmm. those negative cards feel more like a winning strategy or more like a king making strategy?
0: If,
2: <laughs> to me, it felt more like a king making strategy.
0: Mm-hmm. If I recall correctly, Celeste, I think you won because of the mm-hmm. lobbying card. You did. <gasps>
1: It was honestly hard to tell how I won. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and then that gave me the majority. So what it did was it gave me the majority in two sets, and that's how I won.
4: Yeah, it's a couple negative points, but it's a really powerful flip. So Mm -hmm. Yeah, I kind of put myself out there as the leader way too early, and everybody knows that that is not a winning strategy. I (laughs) I had a big target on my back. Oh, look, I started off with a majority, uh, the vast majority of nine point cards. So I'm like, I got a solid Get him. nine. He's the leader. Get him. Oh, yeah. They dragged me down like a
0: like a puppet. It was pretty bad.
1: I just got angrier <laughs> and angrier because there was about three turns where I felt like I couldn't affect you at all.
0: Yep. Well, with the guardian that made it hard. Yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. I had yeah.
4: I had a majority of guardians and a majority of the nine point guys and everybody was finding it hard to drag me down on that. But mm. Evan figured it out. <laughs> yep, I did.
2: <laughs> I was like, oh, we could swing this game pretty easily with a couple of plays. Here we go. Bang, bang, bang. <laughs> yeah,
0: I thought I, I was going to win it until Celeste knocked it in at the end.
2: Yeah. Once I, because again, once I figured out about halfway through really what was going on here, I'm like, all right, I can employ this strategy
3: and I think I might be able to get away with this. But Celeste nailed it at yep. the end. Yep. And the thing that was a little bit frustrating to me in the two games we played, and I'd need to play more to know if there's a way to mitigate mm-hmm. this, was those last two. One or two hands that you get are smaller, and so mm-hmm. the randomness is expanded yes. in it,
0: mm-hmm.
3: and seem to matter so much in terms of who snags those high value, um, you know, the nine, eight, seven point things at the end. Mm-hmm. It, that it was almost like, well, let's just set up our boards and then play like three rounds and see what the heck happens. <laughs> right,
4: it is kind of like that.
3: No, that's a good point. But I don't, I don't know if like, you know, if I played ten more games of it. If I'd be like, oh yeah, okay, I remember as a beginner when I thought that, right?
4: And then you get good at it, and you're like, I know why this happens now. So.
3: Exactly. I,
4: I kind of yeah. think they could play it in reverse, where you start off with the smaller hands and end with the bigger hands at the end. Like
2: That's that. interesting. So. A little variation mm. on that.
4: I mean, they can't really do that because you're putting cards on the table every turn, but if you're putting less cards because you have less choices early on, it might still work.
2: But to so. Doug's point, I think if you do find out over many plays of this game that there winds up being only a couple of real good strategies towards the end of the game that you need to employ in order to seal your
0: victory, that that's a limiting factor. True. Yeah, it, it would take a few plays to figure that out, but so I don't know if it's there, but yeah. the potential mm-hmm. for it, sure. I well, mean, that's... I think a lot of games have that, oh, once you know this is the way to play, once you know. Hmm.
4: <laughs> Maybe that's a smart choice on the designer's part because it makes us, like all of us right now are saying we should play this
3: game again.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's
3: not a bad point. But at the same time, if I were having to choose to buy this game or not, mm. I wouldn't at this point, right? Yeah. Um, mm. And I know this is getting into your review mm-hmm. a little bit at the end, but <laughs> my game group on Tuesday nights was like, hey, let's play that again. Mm-hmm. I would. But if somebody was like at a convention, like, hey, pick this up, I would
4: not right and you played it the one time and you see the way it plays and you're like eh, i don't know
1: that might speak to the value of a digital interface like board game arena Mm -hmm. being so useful for these game designers with uh, games that you know maybe takes three or four plays to decide on and here's a great Mm -hmm. free interface to test the game out at your leisure um, before you decide to bring a physical game to the next beer barbecue
4: that kind of gives me the question like is do you think that People being able to play these games free on the internet right now is going to dampen the amount of games they'll buy after, you know, they can play them in person.
1: That's two very different things, right? Uh, I mean, Is it
4: enough? Yeah, I don't know.
1: Gaming together as a social experience at a table is a very different experience than gaming I agree. online. Yes. Oh, I agree with it that. It serves yeah. a different purpose in your life. I think it's a a larger question of whether or not we're all going to get back to a social lifestyle like that, and if we do, I think that these digital interfaces are may prove to be a better testing ground than anything else ultimately.
3: I think that yeah,
0: the idea that you can be a, now try a game before you buy, it, I think will actually lead to more sales in the sense mm-hmm. of oh, before I, I don't want to buy the game, I really don't know. It's, it's not enough. To, mm-hmm. I already have games. Why why am I gonna you no know, Rick? 20 bucks or whatever on a game I don't really know about. And now it's like, I'll try the game. I liked it. I'm going to pick it up. Or, or the other thing, I'll try the game. It didn't quite drag me. So now I don't feel like I wasted 20 bucks on a game I don't like. And you're just not going to talk about it. And i so not dragging down the game any, either. Mm-hmm. I hope you're right.
1: Dude, that's a good point, Ed. And I think it may turn out that physical elements of a game will become even more important. Hmm, this game is so cool. What are the physical elements? What am I actually going to get? Do I want these great, rich cards with the art? Do I want to hold them and look at them? You know, what's the tactile experience might become more important as a sale point.
3: And what works better when automated versus not automated, right? I've been playing a lot of uh, Magic the Gathering Arena and... I don't really ever want to play physical magic again.
4: <laughs> There's a lot sure. of reasons um, for that after playing arena. Yeah.
3: Well, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Um, it, and like, yeah, there is the nice experience of sitting down and playing with someone, but it's also really dope to not have to take five minutes to mulligan. Right. Mm-hmm. Like
4: reshuffle, um, re resort, shuffle your deck. And then, yeah.
3: <laughs> right. Like I would never play a deck where I have to search my library for something and then reshuffle in person. Cause I'd be like, guys, I'm so sorry. Just go like, hit the bathroom, come back. I'm a slow shuffler. I'm yeah, sorry.
0: No tutors, please. Yeah, sorry. I bought this recursion <laughs> deck shuffling deck. Dude. Sorry. <laughs> all
3: right, let me search for a gate, put it out on the battlefield. Sorry, guys.
4: Yeah, sorry, Celeste. Uh, <laughs> we're getting deep into the magic nerdiness right here.
1: I used to play magic, you know, all the time. Back, way, way back when they first, my brother had a comic book and card gaming shop uh, in 1992. And I used to play way <laughs> back then and um, when they first came out. But uh, as I've gotten older, uh, my eyesight is not what it used to be. And the art on the cards is not as enjoyable. So I mm. wanted to ask you in the digital interface, can you make the art on the cards much larger? You can almost
4: full screen the cards and, uh, and some yeah. of the art is animated too.
1: That would be a lot of fun because the art was a big selling point for me when, mm-hmm. I, when I played Magic. So that's another reason, you know, you get to see things uh, at the size you want to see them in the digital mm-hmm. interface.
3: I think they've really stepped up the the art moved from like line art kind of stuff to more like digital painting oh, kind beautiful. of stuff. Very yeah. neat. Yeah. But if yeah. you don't want your old cards, I'll buy them off. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Remember Corio? Yeah, let's move on. <laughs> okay, explorers. It's time to dig up or bury Corio. Ed? Corio
0: has a nice twist on the drafting mechanic to the
1: offers interesting choices
0: and keeps you wondering what are your opponents up to. So I'll dig it up for another round. Mike? Online, I think it's fairly easy to teach, but in person, I think it'd be pretty
4: tricky. Um, It introduces some deeper elements of strategy, and I think I need to play it again, so for now, I'll dig it up.
1: Evan?
2: I'll say it has a relatively basic set of rules, and although there's not much intuitive about them, it still results in a good amount of strategy and options. A light game overall, a good game for starting up your game night.
3: Dig it up. Doug? Choreo is an interesting game that I am not sure <laughs> if I would enjoy after more games. So I'm going to bend your rules a little bit and bury it in a shallow grave. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> um, right I've done that. With games, yeah. was, Just sprinkle some dust But on I would top. be happy to dig it up if somebody said, hey, let's circle back to that and give it a try. Okay.
1: I'm partial to a card game to begin with and the art was very engaging in this game and I actually enjoyed the obscure rules as a bridge player um, I understand arcane at least scoring so I'm going to dig it up I want to play this game again Evan where can you find choreo
2: well of course you can try it online at board game arena and if you like it there go pick it up at an online store or a brick-and-mortar store, run you about 20 to $30.
1: If you have thoughts about Choreo, let us know. We would love to hear from you. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Our next game up is Space Cadets Dice Duel, designed by Jeff Engelstein and Sydney Engelstein, published by Stronghold Games in 2013. Number of players 4 to 8, ages 12 and up. Playtime? 30 minutes. Okay, Mike, tell us what's in the box.
4: The box depicts some fresh-faced Star Trek wannabes in full (laughs) panic mode, staring slack-jawed at the monitor while they watch an enemy ship shred their hull. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds great. (laughs) Hold on to your butts. There's a lot of bits in here. (laughs) There are two Starship plastic minis, six purple acrylic crystals. Twelve double-sided asteroid nebula slash wormhole tokens, two mine tokens, a game board, and a rulebook. Uh, each starship gets the following components, so double them. Uh, display boards for the six stations of engineering, helm, sensors, weapons, shields, and tractor beams. Now here it comes. Six white energy dice. Three yellow helm dice. Four green sensor dice. Mm. Six red weapon dice. Three blue shield dice. And three orange tractor beam dice. And that's...
1: (laughs) What's in the (laughs) bow? Before we strap in and fire this review across your bow, Evan, tell us how it's played.
2: In Space Cadets Dice Duel, the team versus team real-time dice-rolling game of starship combat, (laughs) two spaceships face off against one another in a quick-paced combat. The players are divided into two teams, each team playing the crew of a ship and winning or losing together based on how well they perform. Each ship has six bridge stations. Engineering generates power for the other stations. Helm maneuvers the ship on the map. Weapons loads the torpedo tubes to attack the enemy. Sensor lock onto the enemy so torpedoes can hit it and uses jammers to stop the enemy from locking on. Shields helps protect the ship from enemy torpedoes. And tractor beams can grab the powerful crystals, move the enemy ship on the map, and launch mines. Players are in charge of one or more of these stations... Or has the overall role of captain to coordinate everything. (laughs) There are no. Yeah, good luck with that. (laughs) Coordinate. There are no game turns in Space. Yes, no game (laughs) turns. I'm cracking up here. There are no game turns in Space Cadets Dice Tool. Instead, the game continues with players acting as quickly as possible until one side wins. (laughs) The game ends when one side destroys their opponent by causing four points of damage through torpedoes or mines. (laughs) Yeah, so it's a a
0: free-for-all. What
1: a delightful, giddy, happy mess this game is.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There are no turns. You just do stuff. Mr. Toad's Wild Ride times 100.
4: I wish I was in person because I so am so terrible about picking up dice on these interfaces and you're supposed to be frantically grabbing and rolling these dice. So I'm like
2: uh- Yeah, it's a good point. We play we played on Tabletopia, I believe, right?
0: Tabletopia, yep. Yeah. Yes,
2: and which is a free for all un- in of itself, you know, because unlike other ones which, you know, help you moderate your turns and do some things for you, you're responsible for everything. It's it's the Wild West, the okay corral basically <laughs> in
1: space. Board game arena probably took one look at the rules of this game. And they're like, what, how, why, when, <laughs> <laughs> how would one program this?
2: No turns. Are you kidding me? <laughs> no turns. And lots of yelling.
1: Oh, I yes. remember
4: some distinct points of yelling when I loaded up two full torpedoes, which takes six dice in perfect order, or yeah, a total of six dice in perfect order. And instead of checking whether we had targeting or not, <laughs> Celeste just got really anxious and said, fire two, and uh, fired. two. Two missiles that just rolled off the end of the ship and plummeted down into space because we had zero targeting.
1: Yeah. So, Doug, <laughs> picture this six stations. Okay. Six stations in front of you, helms, sensors, shields. Na- whatever navigation is called <laughs> right And tractor <laughs> beams and weapons so uh, and energy dice on top of everything else you've got to man engineering and get energy dice out the door to all the other stations otherwise those stations cannot do anything
3: can't function yep all right i'm here for it so far. yeah so you and me you
1: and me are the only ones running this whole spaceship the six stations between the two of us and we we and I often need, feel
3: like that. Yep. <laughs> That's life, right?
1: Right. We need energy dice to do all the other stations. Who's going to do what? How are we breaking this up? Who's going to man each station?
4: Good question, which we probably should have answered before we started uh, playing. Yeah. <laughs> what fun would that have been? If you
1: take the energy dice, I have nothing to do because I need dice, energy dice, in order to roll my dice at the station. So, I, am I waiting for oh, you boy. to return the dice? Do we split the dice up and I do three and you do two? But what if we need more weapons, that we need sensors and I'm managing uh, sensors, shields, and tractor beam, and you've got uh, weapons and helm? Oh, wh- h- how do we get to where we need to go? Uh, are we going to be protected when we get there? Uh, get, are, are we going to be armed when we get there? Uh, wait, wait, what what they I'm are, doing? are, they we are on the move. We can move. Where do we yeah, move? I'm moving. I'm yes, moving.
0: you can grab it once we get it. Tractor, it. it's good. Have, yeah, well, you have, have to it.
1: yell tractor. You have to yell Tra- tractor!
0: tractor. See, she's still stressing <laughs> out. Celeste. Maybe
3: it's the coffee talking, but my anxiety is spiking just hearing it. But in <laughs> yes. good ways.
1: I am an inherently anxious person, but I absolutely love manic craziness because <laughs> yes. I guess I can't think about my own troubles when I'm doing it. <laughs> I thrill at games that are this messy. It is so easy to accidentally cheat. Oh, God, yeah. Because you're grabbing energy dice, and then you have to roll your own dice, and you could forget whether or not you've rolled your dice Mm. and grab stuff Mm -hmm. based on symbols that came up on the dice last roll.
4: Yeah, and Tabletopia does not do anything to uh, help keep those rules in check.
2: No monitoring.
1: However, (laughs) that did not deter me in the least from absolutely enjoying this game. Three, two, control.
0: one, wow. Leon. Fire one,
4: fire two. No. Uh, fire oh, they're two. firing. They're firing. Uh, they're firing. firing. No, we
0: can't fire. He
4: oh. we'll called fire. Right. He
0: called fire. So you must fire yeah. your torpedoes and they no, both miss. They
1: sensors. both miss because we don't have sensors. <laughs> and <laughs> the, the, no, the no waiting aspect of this game, I really, really enjoyed.
0: Beautiful. I always I mean, love that with games. That's right up your alley, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Not Ed's. <laughs> yeah, if
4: you look at this board, it looks like you're doing a simple task. You're flying a spaceship around to certain points on the board to do stuff, like shoot a ship or pick something up. Like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, if this was a simple. turn-based game, this would be the simplest game you've ever played. But the fact that you're having to do all this stuff at the same time in real time makes it really difficult. I
2: manage. wouldn't be surprised if the Engelstein, are they brothers? I don't know.
4: No, my husband and wife.
2: If they had that in mind initially... And then decided to sort of throw that out, Mike, as far as making it, like, what if we got rid of the turns? Hey, we have a whole different game concept
4: here. You have mm-hmm. a lot of difficult strategy choices, like, oh, do I use the dice I have or waste one of my parts of my turn rolling the dice again to get something I want more? Yeah, It, it could easily translate into a turn-based game that would also be really interesting.
1: The thrill and excitement, though, of trying to get to the other ship and blast it out of space before they do the same to you, is, is enough of a motivator to make mistakes easily. And you can make a lot of mistakes during this game. I made a ton. Uh-huh. <laughs> this game absolutely motivated me to want to get really good at it. And I think the big thing I would be looking for would be basically challenging myself to not make mistakes. That would be the big challenge. Um,
4: I, I think a good strategy after playing it one time is instead of grabbing the dice and re-rolling them to try to get the stuff you want, just roll all the dice and then program those set of dice and just roll the whole next set. Because, you know, you it's easy to forget that, oh, we have shields to worry about in case they shoot at us or, hey, I got to get some points ready for this tractor beam. You know, so if, if you just put them where they lie and then see what you can do with it, it might help you to control What's happening a little bit better?
1: I bet this conversation has happened at many a uh, Star Command table <laughs> because here's my uh, counter argument to prepping one station at a time.
4: <laughs> okay. Okay.
1: I think the first thing you'd always want to prep would be shields. And I fear that by the second round, if you just prepped shields first, you would end up just getting shot before you could do anything else and then having to reprep shields again.
4: Well, if you prep your shields too early, you don't know what position you're going to be in when you get shot at. And the shields happen on the different sides of your ship. So if they shoot you in the face and you have all your shields on your left side, then it's not going to help.
1: Yeah, you'd want to just put one shield on each side. That would help. But you only have, by the way, you only have three shield dice and there's four sides to your ship.
4: (laughs) True. Mm
2: -hmm. Right. So you can't put a piece of a a shield up on each part of your ship at least one side of your ship is vulnerable at all points.
1: What do you think, Doug? Keeping up at all? Any idea what's going on?
3: I'm <laughs> um, no, my head's spinning like already. <laughs> and I'm super disappointed that we weren't able to try it. Now,
4: I think you got some people
0: that would play this again with you if you want to I'm, check. It out. I'll totally right. play it with all you.
1: Right. <laughs> you right. Yeah. Hit me up on Discord. I love this game.
0: I played this game in playtesting, and I, we played it in a big group, so four people on four people, and, and oh, wow. the roles are more split up, and you need a captain there, because, you know, it's manic enough with two people just kind of doing whatever they feel like doing. <laughs> you now with four people trying to do that, it just doesn't work. You need somebody at least saying, uh, l- let's try to actually do something here as a team, guys. You know, it's almost like a team-building exercise. Let's work together and blow up the guys,
2: yeah. Well, you know what game... We played before, that reminded me of that, U-boot.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes.
2: It was exactly that. You had a captain, you had a helmsman, you had engineering, uh, and and all these components. And that's exactly what you did. It's just you weren't playing, like, you were playing against an AI. You were not playing against other
1: players. So you could have a team of up to four players on each side, which isn't quite enough to man all the stations.
0: Right, that's the <laughs> right. point. So what gets ignored? <laughs> well, one of those four people is the captain. So, right.
1: So then you've got three people doing two stations each. Basically. And technically, that could work out well because you have six energy dice at the beginning. You have one energy die for each station.
0: I think they do it differently. I think engineering is in control of those energy dice. So basically, the other players are begging engineering for dice. Yeah, everything comes from engineering and those energy dice. In order to do anything
2: else on the ship, the energy dice have to be rolled, and then they get assigned to the correct station depending on the result of the roll.
4: Yeah, so like the missile station is one. So every time you roll a one, you can either re-roll it to try to get something else, or you can put that one up and then roll one of the missile dice to try to get the right missile part. That
2: right. You but you need three total missile dice in order to complete your missile. Mm-hmm. So you're so you're <laughs> so you're assigning one of your energy dice to that missile that can't be used in the meantime anywhere else until mm-hmm. you get. Uh, the two other one. ones mm-hmm. that, to complete that missile. So it's a, it's a res- resource management, really, is what this is.
0: Yep. And I found it helpful like when me and Evan were working together. It's like, oh, we wanted to get the, the torpedoes going. Well, I will roll energy dice, and every time I get ones, I'll just feed it to you. This way you can start rolling red dice to, to start building torpedoes. And I'll just keep on rolling energy uh, until I get ones and feed them to you. And when you're done and you have enough uh, missiles ready, we'll stop with that thing and we'll work on something else.
2: Yeah, and basically, once we got inside of shooting range, because there is a a range limitation at which you can start firing at each other, once we got in that range, we just concentrated on fire, 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 pretty much.
4: (laughs) Yep, you need one targeting symbol for each distance away that you want to go, and it, it goes up to three spaces away in an arc from the front of your ship. And what we did was just basically parked... Our ships nose to nose. nose just I
2: nose and fired it out. Good old, you know, 17th century seafaring warfare. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was thinking about that later, though. I actually lost a little sleep thinking about this game. <laughs> oh, no. Later on, I was thinking, wow, you know, the easiest station to man is actually the helm. And we pretty much ignored it. Mm. Mm. You know, getting out of range is probably pretty easy.
4: Yeah, it can mess their shot up if they don't call Because you stop the turn when you declare what you're going to do. Like, that's the only time the game stops is when you say fire.
2: It pauses. You have to pause to
4: res- to, to resolve the, the damage. Right. So if they move before you call fire, they could have moved out of your range at yeah,
1: that point. Yeah, exactly. I liked that you only had to take four damage. Like, it's just a very simple damage rule. Four hits of a point each and you're out of the game. And it gets progressively more difficult to stay in the game once you've been damaged Mm -hmm. by taking away one energy dice for each time you've gotten damaged. And that's it goes out of the game. Mm -hmm. So it really comes down to how fast can you roll these dice
2: and how few and which team will make fewer mistakes because both teams are making mistakes. It's
4: going to happen. (laughs) Which team will make fewer. Anytime you work with a group of people, you're going to make a bunch of mistakes. (laughs) That's the
1: nature of it. (laughs) Mike and I were a mess. Oh, we were a hot mess. Neither
4: one of us had our act together. Which is
1: so weird because we road trip together great. No, there's other
4: things we we do really well together in. And I was like, oh, this is a short thing. And we talked a lot of smack.
2: (laughs) But you guys monopolize the fun and funny factor. I mean, (laughs) I I will give you that. It was hilarious listening to you guys. Hilarious.
1: (laughs) Doug, what would you like to know about this game? Uh,
2: when can I play it? <laughs> well, we're going to play it right as soon as we're done with this recording. So
4: join us. <laughs> now we'll make a time. Actually, hit
1: us up. Definitely. Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury Space Cadets Dice Duel. Mike? It was frenetic. It was chaotic.
4: It was stressful. But despite <laughs> all that, I had a lot of fun. So dig it up. <laughs> Evan?
2: Oh boy, dice lovers everywhere will enjoy this. The mechanism of dice rolls leading to other dice rolls. That's way fun. And the other game elements, such as programming and resource management. Plus, I don't think we've seen this much talking over one another since Happy Salmon.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Dig it up. Ed? Space Cadets Dice Duel is a frantic real-time game with lots of yelling. (laughs) This can be a little stressful. (laughs) It's not a, a game style that I personally enjoy that often. But I'll dig this up as an occasional foray into space. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Doug?
3: Uh, I dig it. Like, yeah. Uh, yes, 100% dig it.
1: <laughs> Twilight Imperium, it ain't. No. <laughs> there's, <laughs> no. there's no waiting for turns, though. And that is a complete joy combined with. The manic play and the delightful mistakes that can be made, it is an absolute dig up in my book. <laughs> Evan, where can you find this game?
2: Well, as we mentioned before, we played it on Tabletopia, <laughs> so try it out there, but we are going to suggest purchasing it. It's Oh, it's currently out of print, but you should be able to find copies at secondhand stores. 20 bucks used, maybe, but if you can find a new copy still in the wrapping, about 60 bucks if it's new.
1: If you have thoughts about Space Cadets Dice Duel, let us know. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. Our last game up this week is Coup, designed by Ricky Tata. Published by Indie Boards and Cards in 2012. Number of players, 2 to 6, ages 13 and up. Playtime, 15 minutes. Okay, Mike, tell us what's in the box. (laughs)
4: Well, if you buy the current version of Coup, you'll notice what seems to be a well-dressed VIP of the future, with a stare that says, I'm scheming. <laughs> <laughs> Inside the box, there are 15 character cards, three of each of the Duke, Assassin, Captain, Ambassador, and Contessa cards. Six summary cards, 50 coins made out of cardboard, and of course, a rulebook. And that's...
3: What's in the box?
1: Before we execute a review, Ed and Evan have conspired to bring you some rules.
2: In Coup, you want to be the last player with influence in the game. Each player starts the game with two coins and two influence. Influence is represented by face down character cards in your playing area. The 15 card deck consists of three copies of five different characters, each with a unique power such as stealing coins or assassinating another character, and so forth. There's the Duke. The assassin, the contessa, the captain, and the ambassador. On your turn, you can use any of the unique powers, regardless of which characters you actually have, (laughs) or you can take a default action, which would be income or foreign aid, which is taking coins from the treasury, or pay to launch a coup, hence the name of the game. When you take one of the character actions, that character's action automatically succeeds unless an opponent challenges you. If you do have the character in question and choose to reveal it, the opponent loses an influence. Then you shuffle that character into the deck and draw a new one. If you can't reveal the appropriate character that you've been called out on, you lose one of your characters. If you lose both of your characters, you're out of the game.
1: Yeah, you only have two.
2: Yep, that's it. Two cards and you're out. The last player to still have a face-down character is the winner of the game. Uh, It's a bluffing game right?
4: One of the bluffiest of all bluffing games. It
2: is. (laughs) Bluff is the word.
4: Yeah, you can almost not win this game unless you bluff sometimes. I agree. Tell me about it.
1: It would be very hard to win this game without bluffing. And it kind of required that you
0: know the
1: game well enough to
0: bluff. It's like, yeah, I got a, let me check my reference card here. Uh, (laughs) Contesta. Yeah, I got a contesta. Yeah.
2: There is an art to bluffing. It does take some uh, rehearsal or some experience and some Mm -hmm. practice in order to get pretty good at it in these games.
1: Do you mean I shouldn't have said out loud? Wait, what does which one can assassinate?
0: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) which you actually did.
3: You said it's no. You absolutely should have, but been holding the card that tells you exactly how to do that. Right. So what does this
0: assassin do? Oh, okay. Uh, Yeah, I'm gonna assassinate a you. Yeah,
4: right. I think the hardest concept to wrap your head around in this game is that you can take any action you want regardless of whether you have that card or not,
2: <laughs> which is great.
4: Yeah, it's awesome, but it also like really taxes some people like I they're like I can't do this thing. I don't have the thing to do it with.
3: <laughs>
4: but, but you have to do that in this game.
2: Because it would otherwise be in other games breaking the rules, but you're not breaking the
4: rule. <laughs> right, exactly.
2: Yeah, I get what you're saying.
1: So is this a poker player's warm-up game?
4: Oh, yeah. poker. Yeah. A good poker player would crush this game.
2: Doug, when you played with your friends,
3: how many of you played? Uh, three of us.
1: Yeah, how'd that work?
3: Um, it was all right. I think it's better with more people, for sure.
2: Yeah, I agree with mm-hmm. that.
3: But, yeah, it was still fun. Um, we still had some nice tricksy stuff. The thing where you claim to be assassinating someone... They think you're bluffing, you do have your assassin, and then you wipe out both of their guys It's
4: a yeah. lot of fun. Yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Some of the uh, bluffs are way more dangerous than other ones.
1: I'm right. going to assassinate. Ben. What? You heard me. All
0: right, well, do it.
4: Go well, what for do it. I do?
1: What do I have to do? I uh, Hit they the assassinate button.
0: The
4: assassinate button.
1: Invalid. Oh, I need $3 to assassinate.
0: Yeah, you yeah. do. Oh, you don't have the money. Oh, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> but now we know you want to murder Ed, so
4: that's even better. No,
1: I mean, doesn't everybody want to murder Ed when they're playing with
4: him? <laughs> Caught in the lie. <laughs> I'm going to assassinate you, but uh, I'm going to do it with my Contessa. Uh, so. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody could hold a knife, right? I don't know. Celeste got a little anxious with the assassin and uh, tried to murder somebody in turn one without any money. <laughs> Oh yeah
1: <laughs> so basically yeah. revealing my card
4: yeah oops I, I don't have enough money yeah
2: i thought she was pulling off some master bluffing technique on all of us like totally throwing us off the rails <laughs> like wow celeste that is cool yeah.
1: that's exactly what was happening
4: <laughs> yeah i hate to be the person to draw first blood in a game because it really sets the tone yeah. makes people look your way and in a game like this you kind of want to be ignored if you can. <laughs> fly, lo, fly low if you can mm. yeah
0: I did. Yeah, because uh, when I, I know I got uh, assassinated by Celeste, so when I had the money for a coup, I had one obvious target.
1: <laughs> so, what do you think of the replayability of this game?
0: I mean, I think it can be played a few times in a row. You, you, bluffing in this game requires knowing the card well. I think so. I think you kind of need to play the game a couple of times in a row in order to really get the feel for actual bluffing.
4: I mean, I think I've played this game a hundred times, and I and I've <laughs> I definitely um have played it like 12 times in a row in the same day
3: yeah i think it's a phenomenal (laughs) gateway game i think it has Mm. super high replayability in that sense and i think as you switch groups things change up
4: oh for sure you get a totally different dynamic with a bunch of different people
2: absolutely it's about the people at that point yep Yep.
4: and you play with strangers or friends and it it becomes even more like interesting
1: so in that way also very similar to poker
0: yeah definitely and we played this on Board Game Arena though. So it was a little bit of interesting how the rules enforcement were there. It's like you had the ability to, to use any button. And it put you on a clock, too. And it's like unlike well normally it's like, yeah, oh, it's a you clock. can have as much time to do your turn as you want. And I was trying to explain something on Board Game Arena one time <laughs> and the clock ran out on me. <laughs> so <it's> just, <laughs> You put me out of the game. Well, I misclicked. I misclicked once. I had
4: the Contessa card to block yes. the assassin with, but I misclicked something, and it and it just ended my turn, and I ended up getting eliminated. And I was going to eliminate Evan that Please. turn. <laughs> no, Mike, you would have never done it. Nope. Yeah, I, I absolutely would have. I had the money for a coup, and I would have killed one of your guys when I called you out on the assassin. Rematch. Yes. <laughs>
1: Okay, Explorers, it's time to dig up or bury Koo. Mike?
4: Koo is one of the most pure bluffing games out there, and I've played it a bunch of times. And despite the player elimination of this game, I love it. So, dig it up. Evan?
2: Yeah, bluffing's the name of the game. Key to winning. My only concern was the replayability, but hearing what I'm hearing, it sounds like it is replayable. That's really
0: encouraging. It was a lot of fun. Dig it up. Ed? Ed? I'm not generally a big on social deduction or bluffing style game, as player elimination is the goal of this game. Baku offers a few cool ways to bluff your way to victory or defeat, (laughs) (laughs) but you won't need to be on the sidelines for too long, and I think that's what makes this game reasonably quick and allows me to dig this up for another round or two. Doug?
3: Exactly what Ed said, dig it up. For, for all the same reasons, I, I was like, yep, okay, so I'm not going to say that now. All right, not going to say that now. All right, now I'm just going to say, what Ed said, dig it up.
1: Perfect. I like those card games where you only have a couple of cards and you really got to be careful with them, like Love Letter. So I'm digging it up to play again. Evan, where can you find this game?
2: We played Coup online at Board Game Arena, so try it there, but I suggest picking up a copy at your local game store or your online game store runs for about 15 bucks.
1: If you have thoughts about Koo, let us know. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We would love to hear from you. And that brings us to the end of our show. Thank you, Doug Lewandowski, for joining us. Designer of Aunt Agatha's Attic. And right now, you can play Kids on Bikes on Roll20. Go do it. Kids on Brooms occasionally on Roll20, Doug
3: coming out in late July, early August.
1: Doug, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it.
3: Thank you so much for having me on and for getting me to check out uh, Choreo um, and for getting me psyched to play some uh, Space Cadets Dice Duel. And to revisit Coup. So thanks for everything. This is
1: awesome. You are more than welcome. If you would like more perks and content from our show, including exclusive episodes of our patron-only podcast, Bonus, bonus, points, points. bonus points. Go to our website and click on Become a Supporter today. If you get a chance, please leave us a like, a rating, a review, a heart, a shout-out, a mention us down at the uh, dog grooming store. <laughs> <laughs> really helps us grow. Join our chat on our Discord server. We are at which game first. Thank you and happy gaming explorers.
4: Happy
0: gaming.
2: Coo koo ca
1: Fire one! Fire two!
0: What do you, why don't we have a lock? <laughs> <laughs>